Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. We're going to be starting a new series today on the book of the Bible that was actually written to give us um, hope and guidance during times like these. Um, as of late, I don't know about you, but um, sometimes I'll get a news flash on my phone, and everything something flashes on my phone that's news. I'm like, oh no, what now? Because uh, the days have been so crazy. But how many know that when when chaos and confusion is is abounding in this world? How many know we can find clarity and comfort in the Word of God? Hallelujah. Let's praise God for His Word today. Hallelujah. The Bible speaks to our times. And God, I really believe that God wants to give us comfort and clarity and deep conviction, even in the midst of things kind of spinning out of control, because it really feels like things are spinning out of control. You know, I was born in the 60s. And I know the 60s were some very turbulent times in our country, but I wasn't cognizant of what was going on. And um, I think that just in the last, I don't know, six months or so, or maybe the last year, I think that these are the craziest times that I've ever lived in. Times when um, people are losing faith in the authorities, people are afraid of police officers. And... uh, um, and government is like really acting crazy, and there's so much of a frenzy. Uh, uh, you know, are the, even the politicians are are acting crazier than usual. You know, I mean, things are crazy now. But um, but even though things are crazy, how many know God is still on His throne? Amen. And so the Bible actually speaks to us, and it speaks to times like these. And, um, and so in light of that, we're going to start a series um, on the book of Daniel. Turn with me to the book of Daniel. This is the book that when things are going crazy, I always like to go back to because Daniel lived during some very strange and wild times. Daniel lived when there was uh, abounding wickedness, he lived in Babylon, which was, is a historically wicked city in the Bible. From Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, Babylon is always marked by extreme wickedness, and it's marked by wicked times. And so this is where Daniel was, was living, and the Bible actually tells us, it teaches us how we're supposed to live during times like these. So we're going to spend, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks in the book of Daniel, and I want to give everyone homework. I want to encourage you, read the book of Daniel. Now, everyone should have a regular Bible reading routine. Every day you should read. I want to encourage you to do this. Every day you should be reading in a sequential fashion. You should be reading the Word of God. 
if you're a new Christian, maybe even if you just read, let's say, one Psalms, the book of Psalms is about worship. And how many know when we enter the presence of God, especially when we're alone, but also when we're together, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and, and his courts with praise. And so you, the book of Psalms is, uh, is a book of a collection of worship songs, and maybe you'll read a, a chapter in Psalms and then maybe one chapter of the New Testament. If you want to learn the Bible, always start with the New Testament, and then you interpret the Old Testament based on the New Testament, okay? You know, in, in this case, since we know the end, actually the end makes sense of the beginnings. So read the New Testament. Everyone should do that. And you should just every day. How many, how many drink water every day? And, and, and if you're like me, coffee every day. And you eat every day. We don't forget those. Don't forget, okay, the bread of life, which is the word of God. How many would say amen? Amen. 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 But I want to encourage you to sometimes it's good to just stop and sit and read one book of the Bible over and over again. Get yourself a marker. Get yourself a pencil. Okay? And when you read, read in, this is the way you're supposed to read all the time, but I want to encourage you to, to, let's do this together. As you're reading the book of Daniel, say, God, speak to me. Show me. What do these things mean? The Holy Spirit is able to take verses in the Bible and they kind of like flash to you like neon signs. You ever had a verse in the Bible go like, whoa, you're like, oh, snap, God is talking. That's the Holy Spirit, you know, because the word of God is living and active. So read the book of Daniel and try to really take in its principles. I believe this book, and, and I really believe that this series is the word of the Lord for our church. So we're going to spend, I don't know, maybe six, eight weeks in the book of Daniel. I am so excited. I really feel like the Lord has given me the word of the Lord for our church. And, um, and so I'm very excited. I want to encourage you to read the book of Daniel. I want to encourage you. Sometimes I have a regular Bible reading and I read, you know, two chapters in the New Testament, two chapters in the Old Testament. Um, and, and Psalms and Proverbs. Everyone should have a basic Bible reading routine. But every once in a while, it's good to stop and just read a book of the Bible. Okay? And I want to encourage you over the next couple of re weeks, read the book of Daniel. Read it with a pen. Uh, mark the Bible and let your Bible mark you. Read the Bible and, and ask the Lord to speak to you and to make things like, you, you know, the Holy Spirit is able to make certain verses like neon signs. You ever read the Bible? It goes, eh, eh, right? How many want some more of that? Okay, I want to encourage you to do that um, in these days. And here's what we're going to do today, okay? Today, uh, we're going to basically introduce the book. Okay, today, th this message, even though I'm going to make points right out of chapter one, what I really want to do is introduce in a broad way the book of Daniel to you because if I introduce it in a broad way to you, when you start to read it on your own, there are key things that you're going to have in your mind. And, and let me put it this way, okay? There are certain themes in the book of Daniel. I want to list three to you right out of the chute, even before we read. I want to give you three themes from the book of Daniel that it would bless my heart as your pastor, all of we pastors, it would bless our hearts to know 
that you're walking around knowing these truths. Okay? So even before we get into, we're going to start in chapter 1. Okay? This is the entire book. This is from, from start to finish. There are, there are certain overarching themes in the book of Daniel. Now you're going to see how they really speak to our times. Okay? And so here's the three themes. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, all of this will be on the website. And, and um, um, I want you to, you can go back to these slides and read and study them. I have verses next to these, which I'm not going to put all of them up for the sake of time, but it's important for us to understand these things. Number one, okay, God is in control of all things at all times. Can I get an amen? amen. The book of Daniel, look up here now, the book of Daniel is about the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God means that God is in control of all things and at all times. As we, as this study unfolds, you're going to see the reason why the book of Daniel is the book of the Bible that is attacked by, by um, a secular people more than any other book. And it's because of the prophetic accuracy of the book of Daniel is astounding. God gave Daniel visions and understandings of what was going to go down thousands of years ahead of time in such a powerful way that people say, oh, it's not true. There, there's some, it's, it's a fake book. It is the most attacked book of the Bible. But really, how many know God, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and he knows all things. Amen? And so when things are going crazy, guess what, guys? You know what we need to know? We need to know that God is in control at all times and of all things. Secondly, okay, in crazy times like this, and we'll get into the background in a moment, because what happened was is that, that God told the people of Israel, you better get right with me. You're living in sin. You're living in rebellion. You're living in idolatry. If you don't, I'm going to loose you. I'm going to let you go into Babylon. Okay, and eventually he said for 70 years you're going to be in Babylon, and the time came, and guess how much time they spent in Babylon? 70 years. Okay, now even in Babylon though, this book, the setting is in Babylon, even in Babylon, what you see here is that even while we're living in Babylon, God's people always have a role to play. How many know we have a role to play in times like these? Okay, very significant role. And then the third one, which I want to elaborate just a little bit on, okay, is this. The spirit of the Antichrist, okay, the book of Daniel talks about the Antichrist. And the spirit of the Antichrist is marked by a spirit of rebellion that leads to desolation. Okay? Let's read this together. Ready? The spirit of the Antichrist is marked by a spirit of rebellion that leads to to desolation. Always remember, rebellion against God leads to desolation. If you want to know why things are so crazy in this world, it's because the spirit of the Antichrist continues to take hold. I'm not saying that the Antichrist is on the earth right now. First uh, John or Third John says there are many Antichrists in the world. But the spirit of the Antichrist is the spirit of the one who is against Jesus. And as that spirit continues to take hold on the world, what happens is, is that spirit of rebellion, it leads to desolation. 
And that's why we're afraid now of police officers. Because the people who should be taking care of us, we don't know if we can trust them. That's why there's corruption at every level of government. That's why people don't value life and they kill each other. That's why this, things have gotten so... That's why pe people say, I don't care what God says. I don't care what the Bible says. And they th cast off restraint. And when they cast off restraint, they start to reap the fruit of rebellion. Look at what it says. This is, we'll cover this later on, but I want to read Daniel 8, 12, and 13. Okay, now this is talking specifically previously in the chapter about, uh, uh, about the Antichrist. It says, because of rebellion, okay, the Lord's people and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered, it is actually meaning he prospered in everything it did. And everyone, let's read these words in bold. Ready? Truth was thrown to the ground. Truth was thrown to the ground. Thousands of years ago, it talked about the fact that truth ultimately would be thrown to the ground, and when truth is thrown to the ground, things go crazy. You see? At every level. And so, as we're walking, we need to know, guys, go back to the last slide, the three principles very quickly. Uh, if you could go there. Number one, let's read this together. God is in control of all things at all times. Can I get an Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, number two, let's read this together. God's people always have a role to play. Absolutely. Number three, the spirit of the Antichrist is marked by a spirit of rebellion that leads to desolation. And that's why we tell, you know, young kids, hey, if you rebel, guess what you get in the end? Nothing. Emptiness, brokenness. Air sandwich. How many have found that you could rebel against God and you think that this thing is going to satisfy you and it leaves you as empty as all get out? Because rebellion leads to desolation. And so, so it's important, no matter what you see on the news, okay, no matter what you're encountering in this time, no, God is in control. No, we have a role to play. And yeah, the devil's on the loose. But how many know greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So, so uh, what we're going to do now is, is read Daniel chapter 1, the first eight verses. We're not going to finish the story because of time. We're just going to talk about the key issues to continue to introduce this book today. Daniel chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. Look up here. Remember God is in control of all things at all times? Okay, how many know God could have protected Jehoiakim? But because the people of Israel cast off their restraint, God said, have your way. Okay, so we need to understand that this is sovereign. Did God cause the people of God to go into bondage? No. But he did allow it. And sometimes God uses darkness to bring us back into the light. Amen? That happens. That's the way it goes. History reveals this. It says, along with some of the articles from the temple of God, these he carried off 
to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the, tre and put in the treasures in the treasure house of his God. So the sacred things that were in the temple of God, vessels for worshiping God, were taken and putting in the temple of a foreign God. That's what, what was happening here, what happened here. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service. Listen closely, guys. Watch this. To bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. He was to teach them the language, the literature of the Babylonians, the ways of the world. Let's keep going. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. How many know the devil has a training internship also? It says they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, uh, and Azariah. Did that change? Yes. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Here's the key verse of today's message. But Daniel, let's read this together, in fact. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. The title of the message today is The Time for Consecration. The Time for cons Consecration. This whole series is really going to be about the role that we are to play and how we are to live our lives out during times like these. And the answer and the strategy for living out for the glory of God during times like these is consecration. Everyone say consecration. Now, essentially what you see is a demonstration of consecration when it says, but Daniel refused to defile himself with the king's delights. You know, I want to pray now, but I was reading in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 23 says, listen, when you sit with a ruler... It says, when you sit with a, with a ruler, be careful if you're given to appetites because the food that he offers you is deceptive. And the kings of this world want to offer us deceptive food, but it's time for consecration. How many would say amen? So I know, I know that this, there's a lot of information today, but that's all right, that's all right because, because God is teaching you very important stuff. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in your presence. Thank you for your word. And God, I pray that you would take now the next few moments as we look at these verses, and I pray for light. First thing I pray for is light for every mind and every heart. God, I pray that when we look at the news, oh God, or when we walk out of our doors, 
or even when we put our head on the pillow to go to sleep, God, I pray that we would be at rest because we understand what's going on. God, I pray, Father God, that we would be ready to do your will and to answer your call, O God. So, Father, would you bless us, O God? Would you give us light and understanding, God? And would you move by your Spirit and do in us what you did in Daniel and the three Hebrew boys? God, so that even, O God, as we live in a city and in a world that was, was similar to Babylon, God, we pray that you would get the glory from all of our lives. So we thank you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. 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 The solution, the solution, the key, brothers and sisters, believe it or not, the key to glorifying God and living for God in this day and age is very simple. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. It's basically consecration. Now, what this passage of Scripture teaches is, first of all, the people of God had gone into captivity. As New Testament believers, we don't tend to think in those terms. You see, we don't think in those terms, and especially as Americans, because of the Constitution, because of the Bill of Rights, we also don't think in terms of captivity anymore. You know, there was a time when there was slavery in this nation, but that doesn't take the place. We think about oppression, but we don't think about captivity. But the truth of the matter is, is that there is a spiritual oppression and captivity that is ruling and reigning. You see, because people are being controlled by wickedness to the point that they will kill and destroy without things making sense. Mothers are attacking their own children. How many know that's the spirit of the Antichrist? So, as Christians, we need to understand what is captivity. And the first thing I want to point out to you is the three signs of captivity. Let's look at this very quickly. Three signs of captivity. Here's what happened during Daniel's time, and we'll read it in a moment, but I want to just say it to you in advance. Number one, the sacred vessels of the house of God were taken. They took the precious things, the sacred things from the house of God. Number two, the names of the Jews were changed. Okay? The names of the Jews were changed. And number three, new customs were imposed. Now here's the way it fleshes out in the text. Could we put the text up and then I could really uh, get into all of this. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands... And then look at the bold. It says, along with some of the articles from the temple of God, these he carried off to the temple of his God. So the first thing that happened, how do you know that there's captivity? The first way you know that there's captivity is that the sacred vessels of worship are stolen. What does that mean to you and me? Here's what it means. It means that if if you don't have things in your life that are sacred, Okay, you may not be walking around in shackles, but you are a spiritual captive. Because how many would agree that as the people of God, there should be certain things that are part of our sacred worship? You see? Like, how many know, how many know that, that, that just being able to come into the house of God and lift our hands and worship him. How many know that's sacred? Because we're here to please the most high God. Hallelujah. 
See, but the spirit of the world has so come on the church, brothers and sisters, that some people think that worship is, uh, is like optional. Some people think that worshiping God and seeking God is really optional. And they say, oh, we can come late or we could whatever. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I don't have to thank God or seek God or praise God. If that's happened in your life, if your understanding of Christianity is that sacred things are not really sacred, oh, as long as I show up, guess what? You know what you call that? Captivity. There are certain things should be sacred. I really believe our money should be sacred. You know, God gives us money, and we should use that money for his glory and his honor. Okay? Now, God says, give me part of that money, and we give him, we, we tithe to the Lord. But even the other 90%, how many know all of our money should be the Lord's money? We don't just buy whatever we want to buy and live however we want to live. There are certain things that are sacred. How many know marriage is sacred to God? Can I get an amen? So this world says marriage is not sacred. You don't have to get married, you know, and it's invading the church. I can live with my boyfriend when the sacred vessels of worship are stolen. That's a sign of captivity. Let's keep going. It says, uh, uh, then the king ordered the uh, Ashkenaz, go, go to the next slide. I wanna, he ordered one of his chief officials to get a hold of some young men. Can, can we go to the next one? Or is that all right? To get some young men and, and, uh, uh, and assign them things. It says the king assigned them uh, a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. We're going to go back to that in a second. Could you go one one little more. It says they were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. And it says who they were, Daniel, Hananiah, Misha. And then it says the chief official gave them new names. The second thing that happens when captivity is evident, guys, is that all of a sudden the identity of the people of God is changed. Okay? The identity of the people of God is changed. So how does that relate to us? Here's how it relates to us. How do people identify you? Do they identify you a Christian or not? How many know our identity should be, I belong to Jesus Christ? But see, if you don't have an identity, guess what's happened? Your identity has been changed. Part of being spiritually captive means that who God really made you to be, okay, who you're really called to be is not who you are right now. And so they were named Daniel. And by the way, we won't get into it today because of time, but Daniel means God is my judge. One of, the, one of the, the names, I forget if it's the second or third one, it means, how good is my God? How many know our, our identity should be, oh, how good is my God? Hallelujah. My God is an awesome God. How good is my God? My God is great. That should be our identity. How many would say amen? amen. You see? And so notice, what does captivity mean? Does it mean that you and I are walking around in shackles? No, it doesn't mean that. It means, okay, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, it means in some regards that you've lost your Christian identity. I don't care. They should know. If you go to Starbucks every day, how many know? They should know that you're a Christian. 
okay? If you go to Dunkin' Donuts, I'll let you off for that, but still, <laughs> they should know, right? I heard some friends, some young friends had a fight over Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts. I said, I get it. No, no, right? <laughs> Who knows you, they should know that you belong to Jesus. Can I get an amen? Can we put our hands together and say yes? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, and so when, when you think about captivity, it's very, very important, okay, that your identity in Christ now, in this day, is more important than ever before. Our identity is more important than ever before. Then go back to the, to the first three now, because I can uh, go back to the signs of captivity. Okay, and then the third thing was, is that new customs were imposed. New customs were imposed. Now, when, when it talks about new customs being imposed, it, it basically says this, that the king said, look, I want them to learn our literature, I want them to learn, I want them to listen to our music, I want them to eat my food and drink my wine. Okay? That's the basic thing, okay? New customs is eat my food, drink my wine, learn all of these things, and the gist of it was that they would learn to love new things. So look at this list, okay? Sacred vessels of the house of God were taken, okay? So that meant you can worship, but you have to worship a new God or in a new way, new worship. Everyone say new worship. Do you have a new worship? Do you realize that in the church of Jesus Christ, guys, do you realize that in the church of Jesus Christ, right, people think now that we can worship however we want to, but for thousands of years, the Bible says, says uh, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, with all that is within me, bless his holy name. Okay, bow down and worship. Okay, how many know bowing down has not gone out of style in the kingdom of God? Can I get an amen? You see, it's interesting. If you could play something, I got one more point. Remember, today is just introduction. Listen, and I don't mean this critically, but I'm talking to you as a pastor. You know, Chrissy and I went to church. We went to a church while we were away. It's a big church. And um, it was weird because once a pastor, always a pastor, okay? So we walked into the church, and um, not one person said hello to us. It was a big church. Not one person said hello to us. We finally kind of got a hello when we took like a bulletin type thing. All right? And someone directed us to a seat. And then um, we never held hands. No one prayed for us. We never held hands and got the opportunity to pray for anyone else. Um, there was a movie clip in the sermon. There were all kinds of things in the sermon. But the Bible was not on the screen a very long time. And the focus, I didn't feel like there was like, I mean, it wasn't like a bad sermon. You know, I, guy was probably a better preacher than I am, to be honest with you. But, but I was like, oh, snap. And then when we left, no one gave us a hug. Okay? I mean, it was so different. 
It was so different. And I was, um, I was sad because, listen, guys, right? Every church is our church if it's meant to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all part of the body of Christ. We don't compete with other churches. We're part of the big body. How many would say amen? So, so it was like, it was perfect. Executed, everything was executed perfectly. But I was thinking to myself, when the church started, when the church of Jesus Christ really started and these guys were being persecuted, and the minute you got baptized, okay, in the New Testament, the minute you got baptized, you could lose your job, you could lose your family. And so the people of God were like, they were like tight. They were sharing food. They were sharing their money. They were sharing everything because, because I mean, times were hard, but they were saying, we love Jesus, we don't care, okay? So when I went in there and I, I was like, oh, snap, Lord, okay? Jesus, was it a Bible-believing church? Yes. But did it reflect? Did it have the customs of the Bible? Oh, snap. You see, this is going to pass, guys. How many know heaven and earth will pass away? How many know Jesus is in charge of all the kingdoms up and down? Who's going to be president? Who's not going to be president? How many know no matter who's president, God is on the throne? Hallelujah. People are in such a lather over that. Okay? There have been lots of presidents. They come and go. But how many know Jesus stays the same forever and ever and ever? Hallelujah. But see, when they were living in Babylon, the key was to get them to adopt the new customs, which meant new affections. How do you know you're in captivity, okay? How do you know that that's the case? New kind of worship, okay? A new identity and new customs. But how many would agree with me that what we're called to we're called to live the life out of the Word of God. Amen. How many know we need to worship the way the Bible says? How many know our identity is in Christ? How many would agree we need to live the way Jesus wants us to live? And so the key, the key with all of that, guys, okay, doesn't matter how the culture changes, we don't change. The key with all of that, how did, how did Daniel answer the question? You know what it says? It says he and the Hebrew boys, they consecrated themselves. Put up Daniel 1.8 for me, please. Okay, here's the key verse. It says, but Daniel resolved. Some translations say Daniel resolved in his heart. But Daniel resolved in his heart not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Okay, consecration, okay, consecration basically says this. 
even if if I'm living in a society that has been taken captive by the enemy, the enemy may take society captive, but the enemy won't take my heart captive. The enemy won't take my heart captive. So let's look very quickly at what the consecration means, and then we're going to close in prayer. We're going to pray one for another. This is so powerful, the heart of consecration. Consecration basically means uh, 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 two or three quick things here, three quick things, and we're going to close. Number one, consecration is a separation to the purposes, plans, and person of God. All right, so guys, look, here's the world, okay? Everyone look at me for a second. Here's the world. Here's Daniel living in the world. And he says, take in all of my stuff, eat my food, drink my wine, you know, live the way we live. Daniel says, I know I have to be here right now, okay? But I'm not standing there. I'm going to separate myself. Why? Because my heart is focused on the purposes, plans, and everyone say this last one, person of God. I want to know the person of Jesus Christ like never before. Consecration means that you separate. Here's the, what it really means. Consecration is a separation motivated by our affections. Okay? So what that means is this. Look, I've been, I've been going on uh, 24 years married. Chrissy and I were away for all of these days. And you know what? I'm more in love with my wife than I've ever been. And, and you know, I remember, I remember when I was standing at the altar. And so when you stand at the altar, it says, you're the, the, the preacher, and we do this here, with this ring, I choose you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You know what consecration is? Consecration is, is look, I'm separating myself from everyone else to have an exclusivity, an exclusive relationship with you. Some people look at consecration as rules and regulations. Consecration has nothing to do with rules. It has everything to do with who you're in love with. It has nothing to do with, with uh, 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 laws and, 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 and like cultural things that maybe, you know, legalistic churches or, or some legalistic church puts on you. It has nothing to do with that. Consecration has everything to do with who you're in love with. And it's saying, world, devil, you will not steal my heart. I might have to live in this world until Jesus comes and take me back. But you will not have my heart. You will not have my heart. I love Jesus. That's what it says. It says, I love Jesus. You love whoever you want to love. Me, it's for me and my house. We want to love Jesus. You see, listen, consecration is a deep love and loyalty that flows from within the heart. 
okay? We're gonna, we're gonna unfold over the next couple of weeks the power of the people of God when they consecrate themselves. You're going to see the miraculous power being manifested in Babylon, the city historically known for all of its wickedness and all of its darkness. And yet when the people of God say, I love Jesus, I love him, God uses them mightily, miraculously to bring him glory and honor and praise. And how many know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And we, if we'll just say, I love you, Lord, with our lives, he'll use us just the same in this time. God wants to use you and I. The time is, the time is for consecration. The time is to give up the, the, the trivialities of this world, the little unholy snacks that make us slaves. And get serious about God and say, I want to bring glory to Jesus because I'm in love with Jesus. Listen, all throughout history, people have consecrated themselves. Big people, small people, children. My wife and I, we watched, we watched a movie called The Letters. It's about the life of Mother Teresa. And... Um, um, Mother Teresa, September 10th, 1946, was in a train, okay? And while she was in a train, the Lord spoke to her. And, and the Lord said, follow my son Jesus into the slums, and I want you to serve the poorest of the poor. And at that time, it didn't make sense to people. But she told everyone around her, and look, look, we don't agree with all of Catholic doctrine, I understand, but let's set that aside. Because you either know Jesus or you don't know Jesus, okay? And she said over and over, Christ has called me to serve. And when I serve them, and there's a scene in the movie, this is a true story, where a Hindu man is saying to her, why are you helping me? I'm dead, I'm dying, I have disease. You could get infected and all this. And she said, you know why? Because when I see your face, I see the face of Jesus. And I want to be with you because he wants to be with you. Hallelujah. Called. In love, in love with the call of God, the purposes, the plans of God. Eric Little, here's another one. How many know the movie, The Chariots of Fire? If you don't know the movie, you probably know the music. Dun, 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 dun. You know that, that music, right? Eric Little was this Olympic runner who loved God. He loved God. He was called to be a missionary to China, but he loved God. And it turns out, back in those days, the Lord's Day was, was sacred. Sunday was a sacred day. The Lord's Day was sacred. People weren't like, come on, service, hour and seven minutes, I got to go watch football. Wasn't like that. Back then, it was the Lord's Day. You know, we see it, our services are a little long, we're like, people are like, You know? And so here's what happened. He, he won all of the races to get to the Olympics. His best race, I think it was like the 400 meters, his best race landed on Sunday. And guess what he said? He said, I'm not running. People are like, what? He said, I'm not running. 
He said, I'm not living for gold medals. I'm living for the crown of glory that's going to be offered to me. Hallelujah. This still happens today. Uh, one of our deacons, I'm, I'm pretty sure one of our deacons told me a story that he met this, this very well-to-do businessman. And he found out that the guy, obviously, it was a standout. The guy was a Christian. And he started to talk to the guy, and he was a big, big man. And it turns out that the guy played uh, a basketball and was uh, on, on one of the NCAA teams that I think literally went to the final game, uh, NCAA. And guess what? Sunday fell, and he said, I'm not playing on Sunday. They were like, what? He said, I'm not playing on Sunday. I don't play on Sunday. You know why? Because some things are sacred. The world can steal all the vessels that they want, but they're not stealing my vessels because I love Jesus. You know, and he said, he said to one of our, our I, and I, I don't have this fully correct or clear, but the gist of it, that, of the message was this. He said, I decided that if I gave up my affections then, to put it in the context of this, I would continue to give up my affections. And you know what? Because I said no that day, it's been, say, it's been easy to say no on the other days. Very successful man of God. See, it's not about where you work. It's not about what you do. It doesn't matter where you are. You're either in love with Jesus or you're not. Okay? And God is able to help us to fall in love with Jesus. You know what consecration is? Consecration is falling in love with Jesus. Can I give you a piece of advice? Don't try to fix yourself. Just try to fall in love with Jesus. You'll never be able to fix yourself. A leopard can't change his spots. You understand? It's not possible. But let me tell you, when you fall in love with Jesus, he does a mighty work from the inside out. So here's what I want to pray. Could you stop the music for a second? We're going to play that in a second. I want to pray that we would fall in love with him. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that counts. Is that we would be in love with Jesus. You're like worried about paying bills. and I worry about paying bills. You're about this or that or, or, or A or B. And obviously we have all of these issues like everyone else. But how many have found that, that you're like, this is the worst thing that ever happened and, and God just helps you through. You wake up the next day. You know why? Because he's in control of all things. God's not going to let you and I deal with more than we can handle. He's not going to allow us to be tempted past what we can handle. He always makes a way out. How does it start? What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your strength, and all of your soul. That's what it really comes down to. So I want to pray today. We don't have a lot of time because of time. We don't have time in a church service, but you know why you came to the church service is so that you walk out of here, okay? You could apply the word of God. You can be in love with Jesus for the rest of the day. How many of you say amen? Yeah. 
You could be in love with Jesus when you're driving home. You could tell Jesus, I love you when you go home. And you could watch a, a whatever sport is on baseball game now and still be in love with Jesus. How many know we want to give him our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds, our feet, our hands. We want to offer everything to him because we want to love him. We want to love him. What song is that? I have decided to follow Jesus. That's a great song. So look, here's the way we're going we're gonna to worship God for a moment. Please look at me. Everyone, please look at me. Okay. The last, just the last 30 days have been so crazy. You know? And um, so much is going on in our world. Absolutely. I've, I've personally, I think these are some, I've, since I've been alive, I think these are the craziest times. You know? Um, I was born in the 60s, but I didn't see all the madness that took place here, even in this city. But for me, that, that I've been conscious, these are the craziest times I've ever seen. But see, we're not here to hide and survive. We're here to bring glory to Christ. Okay? It's not us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. But the way that happens is that we fall in love with Jesus. You know, on any given Sunday, people are struggling with their walk with God. We all do. People are struggling. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with your walk. Jesus always receives when we say, God, I just want to love you. Help me to love you. Help me to love you. I want to fall in love with you, Jesus. Help me to fall in love with you. Can we pray right now as a church, as a body? Pray to your left, to your right, to your front. God, help us to love you, God. Make us men and women of God, Lord. Make us the kind of people, oh God, that, that shine for your glory and for your honor, oh God. God, if someone is in captivity, God, break the bondage today, oh God. Break chains today, oh God. God, if someone is eating at the wrong table, would you break it by your mighty power, oh God. Break the power of Babylon, oh God. We renounce the ways of Babylon today. Help us to love you, God. We want to consecrate ourselves to you, oh God. Hallelujah. We want to worship you. We want to glorify you. We want to honor you, God. Sovereign God, help us, oh God. We want to separate ourselves to you, oh Lord. Help us, oh God. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Father, God, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that it's not about following rules. It's about loving Jesus. When we love Jesus, he gives us the grace to follow the rules. And God, I pray, Lord, that, Lord, as we walk from this place, Lord, that there would just be I love yous flowing out of us towards you. I pray that this would be a day where chains are broken by the power of the Spirit of the living God. I pray, oh God, that right now the blood of Jesus would cleanse us and wash us and renew us and give us a fresh start, oh God. I pray, oh God, that you would begin to position us as we love you to bring you glory. God, there is a role for every man, for every woman here to play. God, help us to take our place, oh God. God, help us to live the consecrated life that brings you glory and honor and praise. Thank you for everyone here. We thank you that you love us first, oh God. Bless your people as they go now. Grant traveling mercies in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, come on, let's give him praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we praise you. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, greet one another. Greet someone with the love of the Lord before you go.